Welcome to the Tiny Plastic People podcast, the podcast about tiny plastic people. We paint them, we play with them, and we warm their cool, cool-blooded, lizardy bodies. Uh, I am in, dying in our, in our ovens. Yeah, all right, all right. I can't. <laughs> I, I'm not, a pretty heat I'm not, take. Yeah, I'm not sure you say so. I don't often say people are doing your hobby wrong, but. Hey, hey, you might right. you might be doing your hobby <laughs> wrong. Uh, all right, well, this is the tone we're going to set the rest of this fa- podcast. Are you familiar with this anecdote? <laughs> well, this... well, well, we'll come back to this, right? So this is before I, I, I am personally attacked. Uh, I dines <laughs> being personally attacked uh, by uh, Tom 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 F. One. Tomfield. Hello, that's me. Yeah. Hey, uh, and also Tom. Hello, this is Tom G, also known as Respectable Geek. Yeah, and uh, Rachel. Hello, I'm not Tom. Uh, a, a trifecta of That's tumultuous all Toms. To That's all I'm bringing to this podcast. <laughs> a la- is, is your lack of Tom name. Mm-hmm. So, great. Uh, the, Thanks. The, the prophesied assembly of Toms, which we have yeah. been dreading for 25 podcasts, has now occurred. <laughs> We've got our notes as well. Happened before. We we got Tom F, we got Tom G, and we haven't got Tom H with us. Oh. We we could in fact have Tom H we, in theory. Yeah. So listen, yeah. if you get confused by this one, just think it could be even worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, join us in the confusion. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, Tom, I I'll tell you what. Let's start. Let's start the easy way. Rachel, how's uh, how's your hobby? How's your hobby gone? Uh. It's been a slow hobby month. Um, yeah. For for various reasons, I have only painted one squad, which is well, how big so, is the squad? Well, it's t- ten, eleven models technically. It's a guardian uh, squad, which is the first bit oh. of forty k that I've ever painted. A future Ooh. Warhammer. A future Warhammer. It will never catch on. Yeah. Um, what's, why? What's dragged you to future Warhammer? Well, so I mean, technically. Um, Eldar were my first uh, collection when I was little, um, and uh, but of course I never painted them because I was eleven or twelve or whatever. Um, and then due to a unfortunate parental accident, they were recycled. Ouch! Um, yeah. Rest <laughs> in peace. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so I've been dreaming about painting some Eldar for ages. And since I got back into the hobby, I've been like, okay, one of these years, I'm going to paint some Eldar. And then people got sick of um, me threatening to paint Eldar and told me to go and do it. (laughs) So I got a squad, I painted them, and I think they've come out really nicely. Um, How was, and do you enjoy painting them? Is it a... Yeah. How does it differ from swords and boards? Uh... Does it differ? Um, yeah, probably they've not. Got, they've got fancy guns. Laser guns. Um, I guess like... <laughs> In every other got, way, it's exactly the same. Yeah, they've got some different stuff going on, I guess. But like, I didn't I didn't like do anything. Like, I guess I, I, when I based them, I could have done some like, I don't know, stuff you wouldn't see in fantasy, like... Uh, barbed wire or something hmm. but I, I can't be bothered it's been, <laughs> like, 
I've pitched the squad. It took me an entire month, but I think in total I spent like maybe five or six hours on them because it's just been such a slow hobby month <laughs> for various reasons. <laughs> it's dreadful. Um, but I have played some games. But maybe we can cycle back around to games. Mm. Nice. Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, Tom F. <laughs> sure. Uh, so what I have been doing last time I was on the podcast was we recorded before Christmas and it came out afterwards, maybe. <laughs> the um, way it's embarrassing to say it like that. Maybe I should have phrased it differently. Um, uh, and since then, I have. Uh, so some of us on the Bill Models Discord have been doing a New Year New Army project. And for that, I decided to do the Tau that have been uh, sat in my cupboard since uh, February last year. Wow. Um, and since the start of the year, I've painted about 1,500 1, points of them. Wow, that's a really good game. Yeah, I think um, I'm pretty pleased with how they've come out. They've got nice, a nice bright orange and... Um, uh yeah i think i think they look pretty good is that is that uh, a canon set or is it uh something you made up uh it's just just something i made up i it, this is like the third time in a row that i've played around with my own color schemes and ended up at orange <laughs> well it's strong it's yeah. certainly the color of jumper i'm wearing right now so a good choice <laughs> i say we have that thing in common yeah. I, I have a lot of affection for the Tau models because they are, more than most, I think they are little guys, and I have a theory as to why. Oh. Um, the Fire Warriors are a bit bit smaller than, so the Fire Warriors are like the basic infantry and they're a bit smaller than most other basic infantry sets, mm. so they are little enough to be little. They, they're smaller and... than the Votan, right? I, I, I would they? say they're pretty comparable. Yeah, they like, must the be, right? The tower, ironically, uh, ironically squatting a little bit. Mm. Uh, but so I think they are c similar sizes. They are definitely way less stocky. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I... So the the firewall is a little enough to be little, and the crisis suits are big enough to be guys. So they really are all little guys to me. Yeah, I suppose scale creep over the years how does would result in that. I, I mean, because the because the Tau models are for the most, I mean, is it still the same Fire Warrior set as when they it first released? Or it looks very, very similar. Yeah. but it's been updated. Yeah, yeah, I think. But I think possibly the update happened before the more recent um, yeah, ups upscaling definitely. of stuff because I think the upscaling really started early twenty tens for the for the Fire Warriors. Yeah, yeah, and I think the I think the upscaling really started in earnest with Eighth Edition with the Space Marine, you know, primarily mm. Space Marines, and then since yes. then, yeah. the other the, like the guards have changed significantly in their yeah. the scaling shift. since then. Yeah, um, for sure. I think there's some, um, yeah, some of the kits before then as well. With the I'm thinking specifically of the Death Watch and the. Mm. Mm. Uh, the newer Chaos Marines, the uh, Thousand Suns. Mm. Oh yeah, okay. those are a little, yeah. oh, oh, a little did, taller. How how um, did, how did GC the Colts compare? Because they were in the t in the tens, weren't they, when they came out? 
I late yeah, tens, I wouldn't be surprised though, right? if they hmm? yeah. So they're about the same late era, tens, right? So. They were the same the same time as the Death Watch. So I mm. haven't actually ever sat down and put one next to uh, Acadian, but my my brain is telling me yeah, a little bit, a little mm. bit taller. So we're probably the whittlest guys. Yeah. So I mean, I feel we at some point we just go to our collections and just get a a model from every year that we can find hmm. and just have them in a like a, a, a theoretical human sized model and see how the scale changes and whether there's a gradual increase or a massive jump. Mm. But I think it's gradual. I think it's happening. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole discussion on it's, how scale it's, has it's creeped, almost just but... a, tra- a, ch- a change in. I don't want to say just say a, t- a change in fashion or a change in style, right? Um, I think it is though. As yeah. We, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to make it sound frivolous. Like at some point they're going to go back, right? I think this yeah. is a, um, a, a. It is a very considered thing, and like, okay, the best way to get the effect we are trying to get mm. is mm. such and such, and both the capacity to achieve that effect and precisely what effect they're going for changes mm. over time yeah right? i think it's, it's, it's an intentional change in style i think which is yeah. gradually cutting because you look yes. at some of the old like old 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 metal models <clears throat> even they're like warmer fancy battle ones and they are like they are micro compared to some of the stuff now it's wild yes. it's wild yeah because I, I feel there's always been scale creep um from mm. as you say from the original metal models to the plastics i feel i feel that it probably possibly is much more deliberate now um because the it, it feels like it's con- a conscious choice and i think there's a lot been a lot of challenging assumptions about how things should work in terms of model making and rules making from games workshop over the last five years or so maybe you know maybe a bit longer yeah. than that and that, this is part of that of okay it's the same thing as the why are we using six foot by four foot tables all the time mm. is that the right choice and I, th- yes. and I like to think there's a lot of thinking for a lot of aspects of how they work. Is this the right choice or could we do better? Is it the right choice to have our human models be this tall with massively oversized hands and weapons? Or mm. is there a um, yes a set of dimensions which we prefer? Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And all that just from a little, just from the whittlest guys. <laughs> It's a whole lot. Little guy. They're just They've little guys. Hooves. They've got. I think, they're just little goat guys. I think not if fish. you want to be weird about it, they're one of the very few kits in the range that have bare feet. Yeah, that is Ooh, weird. But... That is weird. <laughs> oh, like honest. specifically bare feet and no other skin showing. Shall we move on? Yeah, Tom let's. See, what have you been doing? <laughs> um, well, in terms of um, painting and modelling, not a lot to be honest. I mean, I've. I've I mean, I think I was asked on the podcast also before christmas and i've been in a bit of a I, I don't want to call it a hobby slump because it's not been a oh i really don't want a hobby i've just somehow not managed to find time where i've sat down and done hobby i think i've in that time i've maybe finished painting one stormcast over the last several months which was just a bit of a dry bridge i've got quite a lot of things which are sort of half done i've put some some more paint on my nights i have in fact I've actually managed to go backwards on my Imperial Knights because I've taken the shoulder pads off my Imperial Knights and ordered new shoulder pads so I can oh. repaint them. Um, <laughs> so so my, my Imperial Knights, I had glued a whole load of skulls on them and shields, and it was 
and I've decided that I just didn't. I didn't like that aesthetic anymore. Why, it's why sort would of, you do this? Yeah, are so last year. Yeah, it's it's sort of it. It just wasn't. What is working. this? The year forty thousand and two. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so passe. So, um, I. I mean, really... so forty thousand and eight. I say. Yeah, forty thousand and eight. Fuck, I garble that. Carry on. That's good. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, really, the mistake I made when gluing them on was I didn't file the back of the skulls down. So I just, oh, so yeah. I had, so if I think if I had, um, sort of cut the cut the backs of the skulls off and glued them flat on flat, mm. that would have worked a lot better. Mm. As it as it was, it was just skulls glued on there, quite arbitrarily and i didn't feel they were looking because i wasn't going to do that with the armatures that i've got now um mm. and i was and i was starting to include much more in the way of individual heraldry on my on my knights i thought actually i'd like to have the shoulder pads to have some more individual heraldry on them and a bit more patterning on them Not and the skulls 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 yeah exactly and the skulls were just in the way of that and mm. um and having some quite cons- and having cons- consistent transfers between the knights i've got as well because I quite like the um, oh, on the night sheet. There's a um, skull in a cog, the, the old Mechanica symbol. Mm. Um, I I really like that. And what I'm doing on my knights now is having um, that on one half, and then half an Imperial Eagle on the other half. So it's sort of got both mm. Mechanicus and Imperial on there. And I'm I'm actually painting over the cog bits, so because the the aesthetic of my knights is all very skull skull like. Mm. Um, and I was trying to say, oh, can I just clip these skulls off and repaint it? But I realized actually, these shoulder pads are already quite damaged. Um, so I'm just, I just went to eBay and ordered some new ones, um, which also has the advantage of allowing me to take the arms off. And I'm planning to, because um, I, I'd magnetized the arms. Oh right. But Big I, yeah, but I didn't do particularly well with magnetizing the arms, so they're all quite wobbly. So what I'm so what I'm thinking I'm probably possibly going to do is go to one of these sites where you can get um, sort of casts or um, oh, models yes. of of the shoulder joints and leave oh, I see. and leave the shoulder pads glued off um, and be able to, and have each arm be on its own shoulder joint and just mm. just plug it in there and it's just sort of oh, it's been quite nice to sort of uh, how is this project evolving. So I can be happy with it, but it is a bit of a faff of going. Actually, mm. I've gone backwards on this. I, I think also I've put some. I've, I've not rebased them, but I have put a load of snow on their bases now, so they're now in a much more snowy situation. Um, and at some point, I will actually finish this knight army, and then do a chaos knight army. It, because... it doesn't sound like you've gone backwards. It sounds like this. You, you know, you just well, you go with the flow, right? It's evolved, there, and there, the, there, what you yeah. wanted is now different. From what yeah, you wanted you're moving, there, moving the end result forward. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. there is less paint on the models than there was at the start of the year. Yeah, yeah, but it's closer now to what you want it to be. Yeah, so, so yeah, so that's my hobby. I've still I've been thinking about scenery a lot and um hmm. and other stuff, but yeah, yeah, we'll come to that. Yeah, but haven't. Yeah, nice. Haven't finished much recently, which mm. every every weekend I think, oh, maybe I'll finish it this weekend, and then I end up really busy and mm-hmm. don't do anything. So, <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's um, so it's been a while since I've been on as well. Um, I can't remember the last time towards the end of last year, maybe. I have not done a huge amount. I've also been, and I will call it a hobby slump. Um, I moved house, and then things get difficult when you have to unpack and blah 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 blah. that was six six months ago now 
I'm running out of excuses. I did start painting one especially old dead frog. Um, I've turned him into sub-assemblies. This is croak, uh, topically. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I've, I, I've... again, I don't want to criticise your hobbying, but getting frogs from the garden and painting them is... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like you've got to commit, haven't you, really? Yeah. Uh, so, so I painted the I painted the mummified frog from the garden. Not really, um, and I painted his skink friend, his chair. His chair is so challenging; it's so complicated. And and I thought, well, I'll come to this right, but I thought Croak's chair was complicated, and it is. But oh my lord, the new slant chair is something else. But anyway, it's very difficult because it's very full of nooks and, nooks and crannies. Um, but I'm getting there. This painting the sort of giant spinny bits around the chair that was really good fun. Um, I need to just finish him off because because there's a new wave of uh, cool, cold blooded, cool guys coming in. But yeah, that's uh, that's about it really. That's what I was, mm. what I really managed to tackle is most of Croak. I need to finish him off. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Um, so uh, one of the things you want to talk about you 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 mentioned Tom. <laughs> Which Tom is the terrain? Um, so, what did you want to? You, you want to talk about modular terrain? Oh, did did we want to talk about games played first? Oh, well, go on then. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, yeah, I I actually played some games as well, and they were yeah. pretty good. I played uh, boarding actions; it was really nice. And I hope that the new forty k is like that because it was wicked cool. But anyway, that's literally all I've got to say. Uh, yeah, go on. Let's let's talk about some games. Um, well, again, I raised the topic. So, yeah, so while I haven't been doing much painting, I have been playing quite a lot of mm. games. So, I've been pl- playing a Necromunda campaign over the last few months. Um, I think I've mentioned it previously on the podcast. We're planning to do our big finale this weekend. Um, so, that'd be, be fun. And a lot of, so, yeah, playing my Orlocks and having, yeah, a, a lot of fun just having a regular campaign going on that. Um, and mm-hmm. what I've, and what I've also been playing, and I'm particularly keen on, I've finally, after years of thinking, this looks like a game I will really enjoy and really like. I finally played Warcry for the first time, and <laughs> yes. and I was right. I really enjoy it. I really like it. I think it's a great game, um, and I am keen to start playing more of it because it really feels that that niche for me of quick to play. You don't care too much if a game goes south because it's quite quick to do and there's a whole load of variety of what you can do with your warbands in the sort of options available and just the idea of having having cards to draw for your scenario and your twist and your t- setup mm. just really appeals to me as a way of keeping things fresh mm. so i i'm a massive fan of walk right now um yeah another convert yeah. it's a very good it's a very good uh rule set to be honest it, I think for a lot of for me and for, a, for other people as well, it strikes a really nice balance of the sort of the complexity, but also uh, you know some some complexity of a small skirmish war game, but then also uh, not being incredibly in depth and, and having quite the granularity, something like Necromunda, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's really solid. Glad yeah. you finally had a chance to play it. Yeah, yeah, playing playing Necromunda and Warcry in the same week sometimes <laughs> really that's gonna em- that's gonna screw with the head. <laughs> It really emphasizes the differences between the two systems. Mm. I I love both the systems, but Necromunda 
I think is an acquired taste. <laughs> yes. Interesting yeah. way of putting it. I don't think I have that taste. Yeah, I think I think Necromunda is uh, similar to Heresy, a game that you have to be very cautious about recommending because even if you love it, a a route to loving it is knowing it well. So it mm. they can both be tricky games to recommend because a part of what you're recommending is uh, if you put a bunch of time into this and play a shit ton of games without really knowing why you're losing them, after that it becomes fantastic. <laughs> well, like learning to ride a bike. You get a lot of scraped knees yeah. on the way, but at the end yeah. you're going to have a great time. Ne- Necromunda yeah. is learning to ride a bike while it's on fire and someone <laughs> keeps... And, and you're not quite sure how many wheels it's supposed to have uh-huh. or if they're the right yeah. wheels. And sometimes the wheels just fall off because you yeah. roll the bad yeah. dice. Yeah. 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 My, my Necromunda experience, I'm not sure whether I just learned to play the game better or whether it just perked up because I, in this campaign, I got the ability to bring a guy with a melter gun out from any board edge at, at basically any time. So, like, I was still an idiot who didn't know what I was doing, but one of the things I was reliably... Uh, reliably clown shooting my way into was completely frying one person per turn. Mm. <laughs> Bringing a melty gun to a knife fight. Yep, absolutely. Like you just pop up, pop up around a corner and uh, deal free, free insta dead kills to yeah. one person, and just apologize to a former friend as they they take their favorite model and throw it across the room. Yeah. Vaporizing one model per turn. Exactly. Well, that's pretty savage. I think I've literally never. I think I have never played New Necromunda. I've played a version of it. But I've never played it, and I think that's okay. Yeah, I, I think Necromunda is a game that needs curating, mm. and it needs people to go in there knowing what sort of experience they want to have mm. from mm. from the. Okay, so we we I I'm enjoying it. And we are planning to have another campaign once this one finishes. But as part of that, we currently have a several-page-long list of proposed house rules. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, if that lets you arrive at a game you can enjoy, then that's then that's good, right? Yep. Yeah. Nice. Anybody else played any uh, notable games? Um. Uh, you first. No. Tom? No, 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 absolutely. Oh. You, you, you wanted to start the topic. You go ahead. Uh, well, I guess we, yeah, I'll we'll just, um, uh, so I played a bit of Warcry. I've, we've got a little, like, Warcry group in the office now, and some days after work, oh, nice. we play some Warcry, which is very nice. That's the dream. Um, it is the dream. Sorry, I've just noticed one of my paint pots is slightly open. Oh, God. I must, don't, I must, don't let that happen on I it. must start this before there we go okay disaster averted um and played a couple games well a few games of Age of Sigmar um for the local sort of semi-competitive league uh and I've also played <clears throat> uh my first games of Kings of War Kings and of War. Mm. Kings of War Armada, which is a boat game 
Um, boats. Boats. Why are they more angry? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it up. <laughs> that took a second. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> Am I just supposed to just move on? <laughs> we addressed what just happened. <laughs> and that was very funny, Tom. Just want to put. Just want to stake that. But how are both? Uh, how are the kings of war? Uh, so Kings of War, for people who no, aren't aware, know. is a sort of rank and flank style mass battle game of the sort. It's the sort of game that Warhammer Fantasy Battle was, where you have big blocks of infantry and they, they, they move in formation and they wheel around and they charge each other's flanks and rears and that sort of thing. Um, but it's really streamlined. Uh, you you don't remove models when a unit takes damage, um, which lets you do something called multi-basing, where if you've got a unit of goblins, they can all just go on the same big... One big piece base. Of, yeah, one big hunk of MDF. Mm. Um, so you can do dioramas if you want to. <clears throat> um, uh, so I've got... Uh, 750-point ogre army, which has some ogres, because they, they made some new plastic ogre sculpts recently. And a um, a little unit of goblins to fill out 70 points in it. And uh, so, uh, like, um, me and uh, another a local who has some uh, dwarfs uh, agreed to play, and we took ages to actually get together and play the game, and we finally did. <clears throat> And uh, it turns out it's a lot of fun. It's just like it plays really smoothly. Uh, there's definitely like a lot of complexity in how models, how units move around. Um, not at like the basic level. It's just when things get complicated, like you've got like lots of units kind of crammed into a small space that you have to like open up the page that has all the diagrams showing oh. you how to navigate this weird, <laughs> this sort of ballet of... Mm. Uh, rectangles crashing um, units <laughs> yeah uh, but I guess that's that's where all the complexity should be in a game that's just about moving units around um, mm. like otherwise like when you want to when you want to attack you just you roll to hit and then you roll to damage and that's it that's what, how it. does <clears throat> do, uh, what are there like modifiers for how you've managed to yeah yeah there's, there's modifiers um like yeah so like your to damage roll is based on what you're attacking um and you might you might have like uh the equivalent of armor piercing or something like that that mm. lets you lower the target number of that roll mm. um and then like things don't like a unit doesn't die when it runs out of hit points you still have to make what's called a nerve roll um Basically, if a unit takes damage at the end of that like phase, you have to roll a dice. You know, you have to roll two d six, and if it's above a certain value, that unit is wavering, so it's like kind of taking battle shock. And if it's above its right value, then it's gone. It's gone from the table, and it's kind yeah. of like it's just like it's quite abstract, <clears throat> but it means um, there's kind of like a bit of tension in like like sure, I may have dealt quite a lot of damage. But there's a chance it sticks around because mm. 
if you roll a double one on the nerve test, it doesn't run away. (laughs) It might be in like a a weakened state. So uh, yeah, if you're if you're above your right value in terms of how much damage you've taken, then Mm. you're devastated, even if you're still on the table, I think. Mm. Um, But anyway, it's just like plays really quickly. And even though we were playing really small games, I can see how it scales up really well too much bigger games like it didn't feel like there was anything in the rules that would slow down a larger points game nice. and that's like really inviting to me and mm. yeah i can't wait to play more yeah. i've ordered i've ordered a, a giant to put in my army for our next game yeah it sounds really different to anything mm. i've ever played that sounds really interesting yeah yeah it, it sounds um, it sounds to me like the sort of it addresses a lot of the cha- problems i have with a lot of games of um, so, yeah, rank and a flank, and as you say, being able to put models on large bases and having dioramas feels like that's a thing you want to be able to do if you've got large large square units. You want to be able to do something fun mm. with them rather than just having removing a goblin at a time sort of thing, which is a fr- frustration with mm. one fancy. And also that thing of they're not destroyed, you have to make the nerve nerve check. It, it feels like a good way of making sure you get to play with your toys. Because one of the things that I always find quite frustrating and in games is when a things get thing gets removed straight away and you haven't really got a chance to use it. Your new model syndrome. Yeah, and yeah, I, it it sounds like this is really abstracting it out to huge. It sounds uh, sort of total worry, sort of you're abstracting into giant units of yeah uh, things, right? So you know it can take a huge load of damage, but they're still there. You've still got like fifteen yeah. goblins. Yeah, there's still the enough rank, of them right? there. Like like mm. you don't you don't. Um, until you're devastated, you're not. You're still gonna roll the same number of attacks mm. um, yeah. when you when you hit back. How, how many how many sort of goblins do you have on a bet? What's the scale, by the way? <clears throat> it's twenty eight mil scale. Oh wow! So it's, it's, okay. it's the same as Warhammer Fantasy, big, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's like it's just about the the footprint of the units. Like if you mm. really wanted to, you could technically play it at like ten mil scale and just have like really big mm. blocks of infantry mm. on a big mm. base um anyway other game kings of war armada is the boat game Boats. and it's got a lot more going on than kings of war i think <laughs> just in terms of like the complexity of just playing it um but i think once you've got the basics down it's quite straightforward and all you need to do at that point is refer back to the like the tables for how much how how much you modify your shooting dice by when you're shooting at something that's more than 10 inches away. So it kind of has gunnery tables. A little bit. It's just modifiers. Um, but yeah, it's all about like sailing around and trying to, trying to, trying to shoot at the enemy ship from the front or even better from the back for those like super devastating mm. raking shots. Trying to cross the T. Yes, exactly. Mm. Nice. Okay. So it has a it has gunnery coffee tables, but like, so a little bit, a little bit of looking up your guns and distances, but not too much. Yeah, I feel like I need a cheat sheet just to get mm. like what range of the different that's... types of guns are and what the modifiers mm. are and stuff like that. That's a lot more fair for like a <clears throat> a naval combat game with relatively few yeah. moving parts, right? Yeah, mm. you've got you know six ships aside basically yeah i i've realized that 
naval combat or spaceship combat, all all the sort of so you your armadas, your battlefleet gothics, they're they're the type of systems which I've never played before, but I feel I'm most in danger of no. of thinking. Actually, I really would quite like to give that a go. I really do very much get the appeal of having a small f- fleet of ships of some or some variety and moving around and having quite that that sort of maneuvering and trying to line up shots and and things mm. being and ships being quite resilient at first so you can sort of um maneuver them around each other a bit and and having to take account of tides and stuff there's lots of things there which really appeal to me i think i'm not sure how much of this is is actually in armada but every time i see a game which has some form of tiny tiny ships i think is this the one i will get into yeah. and armada is definitely one which is on my radar as they actually mm. that looks pretty nice if if I think if yeah. Battlefleet Gothic ever comes back, a lot of people are going to be in a lot I mean, of uh, yes. monetary danger. That that Battlefleet Gothic is my great lost cause. I never got it when I was young, and I'm re- regretting that. <laughs> it's my big regret. I got more time instead. Your white space whale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one that got away. Yep. The one that got away. Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you ever tried Titanicus? Me, oh. or you? Uh, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I I have played Titanicus. I played it actually ironically with my Imperial Knights, um, and well, Imperial Knights as warlords and um, some a Redemptor Dreadnought as a warhound, I think, um, because it was approximately, <laughs> approximately the right size. I I do have Titanicus. Um, I have a fair number of Titans. That are in the shape pile of shame to do at some point because, yeah, it is again a game which I think I really think I would quite enjoy this. Drew is uh, very fond of comparing that to a, if I remember right, he's quite fair, fair uh, quite fond of comparing it to a naval combat game, right? Mm. Or at least, at least other people like it. It's not Drew, yes. sorry, but certainly some people. It was me saying it uh, like a day ago, but I was also, but I was being a bit sarky. Um, yeah, because I, I like uh, I like being able to track have have a relatively small number of models on the table, but track each of them in detail. I think that's mm. a very interesting balance to strike mm. as compared to either a a full combat game where you've got a thousand things on the board, or a, a skirmish game where you have ten guys, but for each of them you're kind of just tracking like how many wounds they've got or something right mm. um i'm <clears throat> there's if if you asked if you hired me for games workshop and asked me to make battlefleet gothic i would start from the titanicus rules and turn everything sideways so that it was longer than it was wide <laughs> um, <laughs> and then leave every leave it uh, yeah and even even the rule book you <laughs> sure yeah it's um uh, one of those rule books shaped like one of those um, kids kids learn to read books. <laughs> the, they um, actually were like quite wide though. The, <coughs> the Battlefield Gothic rule book was quite. Uh, there, well, there we go. Then they should hire me. It's such a I'm, I'm... it's such a weird book that. Mm. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, so actually, back to the skirmish games. That's I think one of the things I like about Warcry. That I know it is just tracking wounds, but because they have more wounds per model 
it does feel a bit it feels like it's getting into a bit more of the um it's not just one wound and gone that you have in um, a lot of skirmish games yes. it's a you do care about how wounded someone is and okay mm-hmm. they've got just two or three wounds left that's an issue and you and you're actually the calculation of okay i know that the enemy is likely to be able to do this much damage to them i think they can survive that and it, it, it gives a bit more granularity in that decision making yeah which as i say is a large part of the appeal for me it, but it, obviously it doesn't go as far as your titanicus does in terms of tracking individuals mm. but mm. it has that sort of that little bit of it just a nibble my favorite thing in warcry is um like a fighter being left alive with like one one wound just like against the odds or second favorite thing fighter dealing exactly enough damage to take out an enemy fighter yes yes <laughs> very satisfying hmm. yeah nice okay well i think we probably should uh, we should carry on to our topic so as uh we should earlier we talk about ter- uh, terrain modularity uh, tom if you want to expand on what you meant by what you what you like to bring to the pod table yes yeah, so what i was wanting to to as i said i've been playing quite a lot of necromunda recently and when i started the campaign i and in fact indeed when i got the terrain i was like right i've got all this mechanicus terrain it's great i can and it can be really modular i don't don't glue any of it together just build it as we go and same with the um, Sector Mortalis terrain I've I've got. So, yes, yeah, just set out as we go. And I quite really quickly realised how much of a faff that is. It's a lot of it's a lot of time set up, set up a board, and it just it's just got me thinking of trying to find the sweet spots between complete modularity of your terrain and and complete fixed terrains terrain boards because i mean I, i've recently started infiltrating a local um historical wargamers club which <laughs> has um I mean, this is a bit of a tangent but basically they've got the the top floor of a um of a local building is just exclusively permanently this wargamers club i could go there at two o'clock in the morning if i wanted to and just play on their tables there and it drives me nuts. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you've shown us photos of this place, and it's just like <laughs> it's incredible to me that it exists. Yeah, and and I have a key to it. And if we ever want to do a <laughs> do a rollout in Durham, just Dangerous. hit me up. We could go there and play Warhammer at midnight <laughs> in this I'd, in this place. I'd be up for that. Durham's not too far. Yeah, it, nice. it's Dangerous. an option. It's an option. Um, they have yeah, they have like eight to eight six by four tables there. Wow. Um, wow. and nice. but what, what they've also got is that they've got so some of their boards is are things like um, a scale trench system you know completely mm. models you can't really do much else with that board um, it's just a trench system they've got a scale model of Troy as a board <laughs> good grief um, which has been clearly built by someone a couple of decades ago mm. and it's just there <laughs> <laughs> And nice. so that's one end of scale, and that's that's the same as the. War, the... Sorry, <laughs> at this point, that that archaeology is itself archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah, but, but that's one of the scale. You've got your fully custom built. Someone wanted a Siege of Troy game at some point, and they built it. Mm. 
and they probably had a lot of fun doing that and building. And the same as you get all the Warhammer Worlds boards because those look fantastic to have set up. Mm. And you're right, but I am playing on this very fixed board. Yeah. So that's one end of the scale. The other end of the scale is complete modularity, and all of my pieces are going to break down small and work out and work will work mm. out what to do with them as you go. I think most gamers probably have their terrain collections somewhere in the middle of they'll have them built as buildings um, and you might be able to stack the buildings a bit or you can arrange them around the board. Um, I I just sort of think it would be interesting to see what people's approaches mm. and preferences were. Um, I mean, with my Necromunda stuff, what I'm planning to do is get some 12-inch tiles and just start gluing terrain onto those because then you can have the tiles you have sort of like nine of them to a board and you can rearrange yeah, you can mix up your tiles yeah you can rearrange them yeah. but the tiles themselves are fixed and i think mm, that will be a mm. good balance for necromunda mm. um, i mean the other thing that we think mm. about this of course is the latest um the boarding action stuff from 40k which is mm. very much you have all of these walls and you rearrange them based on the scenario and from all rep- accounts that takes a while mm-hmm yeah. So. Yes. Well. Yeah. I mean, I I will go fully batting for 100% modularity all the time every day. Um, I I magnetize the Walker terrain, uh, and I really enjoy Ooh. doing it. And it does, and there is an impact on setting the time it takes to set up. But I am scared that I would rapidly get bored if I had the same setup all the time. And even yeah. I, I, I like modular. So as a terrain hog, I have got a lot of terrain, right? But I have not painted it. But anyway, I'm you know mo- I'm like modular modularizing the old old terrain, which wasn't meant to be modularized. It was just you know you can plug you put the they, they used to have a little hidden features in them that you were designed to just glue shut forever. So I'm like, no, I'm gonna magnetize all of it. So I'm heavy into. Uh, magnetizing is it even stuff like the fortified manor which is technically just a chapel and a watchtower glued together by a little uh annex between the two uh, you know what magnetize all of it so does you it, can just does, have does it need to be magnetized place. like no it absolutely no. doesn't but i want to <laughs> because it was because it wasn't designed to like clip together anything right yeah. you, you kind of have to if you want it to, to like not knock it around and the walls and the and the fences and the sigmarite mausoleum um uh, 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 spooky graveyardy stuff. All the and the fences for that. I'm gonna make sense of all those bad boys, because I want to just be able to set up whatever cool thing I want and even mix it. And when when I when I've done this, you find that some bits are interchangeable. So like the Azerite ruins, uh, and the uh, Warcry terrain are interchangeable, uh, if you cut them up in the right way and magnetize them in the right way. There, yeah, there, I, I think that's really cool. There's a trade-off. There is a trade-off, and if you are, if you're someone like me who doesn't play a lot of games, to be fair, I could probably just glue them all together, and I would probably never notice, and it would be fine. But the thought of it puts me off. So I like to, I like yeah. to modularize it. Yeah, yeah. For me, <clears throat> for me, an important consideration of modularity is about uh, the capacity to pack it down and save space. Mm. Um, that's true. Because, because I have the the specific requirement that I'm probably not going to play very many games on my own terrain rather than at a club somewhere. Um, so I need it to 
the time to set up or change it is not a problem because I'm going to do that like the day somebody comes over. But the amount of space it takes up when I'm not using it is fine. And I've got a full boarding actions board hmm. that fits into the uh, the one of the kill team boxes nice. with a bunch of spare little bits of scattered terrain I've got that I think could allow me to expand that to a full Heresy Zone Mortalis board mm, or nice. Necromunda if I wanted. And trying to get a full board like that's worth of city ruins or something that I've glued together in some way, that would that would be a huge expenditure of space. Mm. Um, there is something so satisfying about being able to fit a, a board's worth of terrain into a box. And yeah. just go. That's that's my terrain. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, that's what actually one of the things that you can do with the Warcry stuff because all the walls pack it, it basically flat packs. Apart from the bell tower, yeah. it flat packs, which is really it, helpful. It's one of the purest pleasures of hobby when something quite neatly fits into the box it came in after you assembled <laughs> it. Hobby Tetris. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I, I'm. I can see <clears throat> benefits to both, but. I think the thing that always weirds me out is when people have a like they've just got like this one board and they can't really change the layout of it as such. Yeah. Mm. Um like my favorite yeah. bit of starting a new war game any game could be could be Warcry, could be AOS whatever is just getting the terrain out and moving it around on the table until I'm like yeah that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't see that if you've got like a pre-built table however beautiful it may be mm. you you lose the doll's house aspect of it mm -hmm. yeah yeah you, you, yeah I'm, I'm very much i think with all of you on that because i mm. i can definitely see the appeal of going to someone else's house or or a, a wargaming <laughs> club or warhammer world and playing on a pre-made board but making it for myself, I wouldn't. I, 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 yeah. I think I think I think the maximum level of fixed I would want is to have the this, um, I say, twelve inch square Necromunda boards, mm. which are also a convenient size for using as forty k terrain. I reckon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And but it's just oh, because that's because a, a step beyond what I would normally do. And because the other thing that I've been thinking about this, this has got me thinking about this this space is. For our upcoming um, campaign weekend, um, I've been messing around with some um, some pl a plain build castle to try and make a huh. a, a board a, some, ter yeah. some terrain for that. Hmm. Sorry, that took that took me a second to pass. I was like, "Did you say plain build?" Yes, I, yes, yes, I did say plain build <laughs> because it turns out that plain build plain build castles and stuff are actually quite good war games terrain. Um, if you sort of jazz them up a bit and put walkways and stuff yeah. on them but the challenge i've been having is how fixed do i want to make this because i could mm. if i wanted to make a a wall to go across a table and this is a fortress wall and that is fixed and that is a good and i could make a really nice fortress wall for this and if i want everyone to do a siege game for example that'd be great um but that's it only has the one use but if I so if I make it into lots of smaller pieces, 
that's also useful because I can arrange them around the board as I want, however I want to. They can all be different things. I can maybe have walkways to put between them. But it means that I can't do that wall so easily. Mm. So it's sort of... Yeah, it's just interesting trade-offs, yeah. really. Yeah, it, I, it depends. If, you, if you're somebody who got loads of space and you can store loads of stuff, I'd probably... You know, maybe I would, in that instance, do more fixed stuff. But where I can, and for reasons of... Actually, reasons of storage is a really big one, and being able to pack stuff down when you can break it up, essentially, uh, and know that it will go back together happily, um, like essentially through modularization, then I would do that wherever I can. I just say, also, I just really enjoy, and it's really satisfying working out how to... I, I Like, with the Walkride terrain, which is the big one I did, I really enjoyed working out how to have that in ways which were fully compatible like or, or as maximally compatible with different things as possible you know like working out common places to put magnets so so like the the, the sort of um the the board planks which sit across the tops of the buildings can sit on any building any walls that i've got because they've all got the magnets in the right patterns all along the top and stuff how- so that's you know i and that the challenge of figuring that out was satisfying in of itself so. I, i'm really curious actually yeah. as to how you dealt with the staircases because yep. i found with also magnetized <laughs> yes <laughs> but working out where to put put the magnets because i mm-hmm. found that with the step because with the Warcry terrain cards they they need you to not have glued all the terrain together yep. and be able to put stairs in various places but yep. but if you put the ruin on the board and put a staircase next to it and then it just and on the board it just slides off because there's no yep. friction so yep. I, I need to i need to work out where to put magnets on my on my, mm-hmm. on my staircase, small magnets and a fine pin vice drill bit. Yeah, that's what I'll say. <laughs> and quite small put, magnets. You'd have to put magnets like everywhere on the ruin, right? Mm. There's so a lot there's... of magnets. Oh god! I mean, to be fair, it's not like fully. You can't put it literally anywhere because there are like certain set places where you're expected these things expect to come in. Yeah. So I'd it's not literally everywhere, but it's in like yeah. the common places. They all have. Uh, they have I'd love to see this fully magnetized terrain set. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. I, I'm sure I brought it to me. I'll bring it to him. Yeah, yeah you can admire from afar. <laughs> I've from, never used from, it from afar. <laughs> yeah, because I'll never use it. Well, I say from afar. I mean, like unbuilt in its box. Can ah. Play like play with it like it's Lego. I mean, it's just reminded me actually of a thing I saw on. Um, should we call rival website Go On Hammer? Never heard of them. Get them to denounce us for the popularity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've approached other podcasts to, to um, have on their website, not us, honestly. Um, but yeah, so go on, Hammer, um, as they do not prefer to be called. Um, there was an article just just the other day where someone was talking about having magnetized their killing terrain, not their killing, their boarding actions terrain, and, and that involves nice. um, drilling out the. Um, Parts of it, putting and putting metal metal rods in them. Oh wow! And then put oh, and then put and then putting magnets on the end of the wall, walls as well. Mm, I, mm, which I'm not sure that's necessary. I think I would like to try that because <laughs> that's I don't think so you need to do magnetized that. Magnetized every aspect of the yep. Warcry box. Yep. Basically, <laughs> I'm going to throw out. down that challenge. I think that person's ever done it. I'm sure it's Hear me great. Out. But... We just make half of the terrain out of magnet and half of the terrain out of some kind of ferrous material ah, job done perfect perfect yeah, yeah we'll just break into games workshop and mold a get mold <laughs> a metal version <laughs> of the terrain metal yeah. terrain uh-huh. iron terrain <laughs> yeah that's what i want steel terrain 
that's the, that's the only bit that matters. <laughs> pre-magnetized terrain. Yeah, pre-magnetized steel terrain. Actually, you know what? Because they, because they, they, they pre, they, they gave slots in uh, Titanicus, right, for, mm. for magnets. And I, I, it, it's my suspicion that they thought about that when they were doing the Warcry terrain, because there are very conveniently sized bits of adjoining terrain which have no like function other than as sort of, I suppose, gluing surfaces. But they are very conveniently sized for magnets, and you know, I'm just like, well, that's. Hmm. Hmm, curious, curious why they would put those there when they are the perfect size and location for magnets. Hmm. I hmm. think you answered your own question when you said gluing surfaces. <laughs> All right, but hear me out. He <laughs> <laughs> could be. All right, fair. I, fair. I, I feel that there's a point in every hobbyist's time with, with wargaming stuff where they learn about magnets and then it becomes, I can magnetize this. I can magnetize this. I can magnetize this. <laughs> and it is just a sort of a massive development step in a hobbyist's type. In a hobbyist, w- yeah, once I, you start magnetizing, when, you don't go back. I sort of when admire and shake. A magnet. Everything looks like another <laughs> magnet. Everything looks like a steel rod. Yeah. I kind of admire the people who sort of magnetize their Space Marines' wrists and stuff like that. Like, it's it's a it's. In, it's absolute insanity to me, but I, do, you know, I kind of, I do appreciate it. Yeah, I like a sort of crazed mid nineteenth century artist, like generating incredible works, but at what cost? Yeah. It's it's like the though the people who put LEDs in their models. That is, it's it's, it's really impressive. It's yeah. like wow. Okay, yeah, what, certainly something that people do. Yeah, and it. It's a lot of effort. Yeah. Once you put an LED in a model, you every model looks like you could have an LED in it, and you're lost forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Grand. Okay. Um. So we also wanted to talk lizards because I don't know. I, I, I shamefully confess to have not listened to Tony Buzz People Pods, but I don't know if they've <laughs> discussed lizards at length. But I'm gonna do it. If they have, sorry, you can do it again. If they haven't, well, well, lizards, huh? They're, they're certainly back. Uh, Tom. Chuck at a piece of good lizards, aren't they? Oh, there's, oh man, there's going to be some good lizards. Uh, so, I'm, I've, you know, I've been, I've been collecting the, the lizard boys since um, about 2018. Before they would, like, before people would appreciate that they were brutally overpowered. I was collecting them before that. I want to get that in writing, uh, not in writing, in, in speaking. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, I'd, I've loved the lizards from the beginning. And this refreshes, I think, long overdue. They had some of the, I don't know about the oldest, but they certainly had some of the oldest models in uh, Age of Sigmar. Yep. And they yeah, have had for a while. You, you are lucky that I do not yeah. no longer have the box of old models from my childhood by my mm-hmm. desk. Because I was about, if I did, I'd have pulled out a <laughs> circa 96 Lizard Man. Yeah. And gone, you, nice. you child! You've been collecting them since 2018. <laughs> oh no, I, I had them too. Yes. I had okay. the old. There we go. Too. There we go. <laughs> uh, but they they are long gone. But the uh, you know, but there's some. Like, I I still have like some really old priests and mm. uh, the skink priest, like old old skink priest. Not the guy with the skaven. The guy with the skull on his head, holding a little um, Indiana Jones crystal skull. Mm. That's a good skink. That is. But the new ones, uh, yeah, it's a big, big refresh. It's here, the new Seraphon, uh, new Battle Tome. I bought the new books, got the new Battle Tome. The new Battle Tome is really good, not just 
the rules, which it is fun yeah. for. But in terms of law, the law is excellent in there. It's really solidifying or coalescing into something <laughs> pretty nice. Um, I've I've not read the new law yet, mm-hmm. but um, one thing that has really impressed me because I uh, I only recently got any of the new third edition battle tomes, mm. and all of the ones I've read so far seem like a real a real general step up in quality from yeah. the second edition they're just they just feel like more premium products mm. um the uh, something something about it the kind of thing that people who are very good at making good books <laughs> could talk at length about but me the dipshit consumer i'm just going oh that's nice yeah. yeah 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 um something like... about the layout and the spacing really works well i think um yeah yeah it's uh it's, real, it's good the, the 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 law is um i feel like the law it, it genuinely is solidifying so in the last couple the first seraphim battle tome i think they're a bit like what do we do with these we'll just call them space lizards yeah, um and they're was... made of light and they sort of turn about and that was okay it's, it's pretty free form it was not much to go on but that was a very early os thing that a, a lot of armies a- aos era of where are the farmers yeah. they've got to they've got to rewrite all of yeah, the to make this fit all of the law all uh-huh. at once uh-huh. and there's a couple of armies that um get done at 5 p.m on a friday yeah i i, um, and I don't know if it was necessarily that but it was it was for sure like what the fuck do we do with all the lists yes. and um that was fine the second edition one sorry i won't second aos battle term was a bit better because they started to flesh out a little bit but it was still the same idea of like, oh, they just sort of live in the sky, um, and it, it was okay, and it, and they were, or maybe they live, maybe there's a few of them that sort of live in the jungles and blah blah the, blah. And the third one, they've yeah, the second edition one introduced the last, I think. Oh yeah, you're right, it did. I'm a complete moron. Because they were like, okay, we've been telling everyone they're they just they're just memories, and then yeah, 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 people then people, people don't really yeah. like that, so now yes. we have the option of they can be. Yes. Actual, right. in, actual inhabitants of the realms yeah so but, it, uh, but my my recollection of that is it's quite light on the sort of law side of what that really means and yeah this, but anyway the third one is which is like full-on yeah like skinks live in the cities and they do these jobs and they do those jobs and saurus do this and they do that and here is how they work and here is how less work and this is some weird things that can happen and it just really opens it up and it's kept it flexible but it really gives you a lot more grounding onto what the what the what their jam is basically and it's really not and you get like a few like um stories like little uh, i think maybe this is a new thing in the new battle tones, but you get little cut out stories and stuff and they're only like two a paragraph long but they're just nice like you know the the saurus the croxigor saving the skink and um, it's little bits they're that's, just nice that's nice because i like i said i haven't read the new mm. one but one thing that i had trouble with from a pre with the previous battle tone was what is a skink like to yeah. talk to yeah yeah like, yeah exactly what is what i get what they do but what mm. are they like personally i guess i guess the i guess the last one felt like it was written about seraphon right yes it, it, so by like other people which is of course in, of course it all literally is that but in in the third one you feel like it's it's from the the seraphon is coming from within the temple ship yeah, and so like you, you yeah. are, 
you, you you're getting the Seraphon perspective on these things. And that's interesting. Like, this is what know. we as Seraphon are trying to do, and it's like, it's, it's much more interesting and, and cool. And you're like, all oh, right, that's their goals. Like, that's what they're trying to do. That's how they live, and that's what they think. And blah blah. blah. Yeah, it's just nice, much more characterization, really. Because that's the, that the faction. Books. Are there any Black Library books? There aren't. That are about or with the Seraphon? No, I don't think as as primary characters. No. No. Occasionally no. they prop up as. Mm. Yep. Um, you know, this ex machinas or just like yeah. just beasts. Um, but yeah, there's there aren't any yet that are about their perspective, which I think is a shame. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, sure. I think because I, I think the Seraphon are a really cool concept, how they've ended up. I mean, I really liked them in Warhammer Fantasy as well. I think they're really too. I mean, my, my very first introduction to the hobby was a white dwarf with a lizard man on the front, and I was like, oh, that looks cool. I've so I've always liked the mm. Lizardmen. I've never collected them myself particularly, but they've always and I think um I think the um the, is it the Starforged or the the, the, uh, the Star Star Starborn. Star, yeah. I, I I quite like like that as a concept. Mm. Um but I feel the biggest problem with Seraphon as they are in Age of Sigmar is Stormcast Eternals. With, wait, the biggest problem yes. with Seraphon is Stormcast. Yes, Eternals. because because they because the the Starforged or Starformed or I, I've, I've not Star Ones the, the Star Ones the Star Ones that's Starborn. the Starborn that's very much in the same space as the Stormcast Eternals and uh, and then being right. the sort of um, almost the demon the demon equivalent of order. Yeah, compared to yes. ca- yeah, chaos demons. Yeah. they had they had the demon keyword, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, it, they did. Yeah, they were that literally they edition. were literally order demons for a good while. Yeah, so and that that has changed now with this with this third edition one. It feels so they are you still have that, but it but it's very clearly different. Yeah, so like the the context of them being as they're touched or whatever is very different from the stormcast now. Yeah, and but I feel for early early AOS, you mm. had two factions which were. Um, mighty warriors forged by the gods descending from the skies in the name yeah. of order. Yeah. You had two factions yeah. like that, and one of them was the poster faction, and the other was Seraphon. Yeah. And that's a real shame. because, And I'm really pleased that they're now starting to get their own identity again mm. and being their own, own thing and having lots of really fun, interesting models because mm. they are one of the more unique things in Warhammer settings, I think. There aren't. I mean, yeah. you do get lizard men in various other contexts, but not as a major force in the same way as you have. Well, with... the, yeah, the, the the lizard men as they characterise in in AOS are very yeah. very unique to AOS, really. Um, and they sort of, yeah, it's it's just interesting. Even even then, so they they have the same thing of like they can be star. They're living in fucking spaceships mm. essentially, and they're like teleporting down and crunching chaos but even that the context is completely different they still they still keep it quite vague in that you know the slan that and they sort of <laughs> there is not i was gonna say it's subtext but it's not really it's basically just text that says they basically don't really know what they're doing anymore and they're kind of just winging it um and they're basically like we're, we we have this vague urge to do uh to fight chaos but what that entirely yeah. means we we kind of appreciate that we've mostly forgotten and we don't really know so we're just gonna try and work it out um and that's just that just leaves it open too. So they don't have the sort of stormcast right. Well, ultimately, Seraphon have ultimately we're trying to destroy chaos, and stormcast kind of have the same thing. But they, stormcast are human, right? Essentially, so they don't have um, or mostly human. 
so they they have that grounding whereas the lizard men is much more calculating and how they go yeah. about it can be, can be sort of justifiably completely yes. different um i still think they're interesting basically even though they are, they do actually share similarities with the sort of stormcast narrative i also do wonder if part of the uh inspiration for the starborn thing the turning them into dream lizards was moving away from the fairly dodgy tribal aesthetic yeah, I don't know though. They've they've leaned into I, that more than ever. Yeah, yeah. But was that was that the original conception when they first came out? Mm. When they were like, okay, we've got these models. We've got a chance to rewrite the law. Do we want to? Because they have they have stopped doing the pun names. Yeah, they they did am... that, but they they've they've lent into the as sort of Aztec and sort of uh, Native Central American or, and South American themed like, more yeah. than ever. Hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's really cool. So like I, I'm not qualified to comment on it yeah, really, I'm but not... it looks dope. <laughs> so like I don't know. Um, yeah. Maybe it's not great, but the but you know from in yes, terms yes, of I'm the, the law is to be fair, the law is completely detached. I, I makes, come you know, to come to praise lizards, not to yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I I think there's a. I mean, you'll probably correct me if I'm wrong, but they've lost they've no longer got some certain aspects which are the sort of almost the sort of the sort of um conquistable propaganda of what they're like so i'm not aware of any sort of like sacrificing as a major element which was a thing you had in Liz uh, or is there is it, there that kind of, that's come back as that come back <laughs> okay yeah the skinks get a little bit sacrificial sometimes um especially the coalesce ones yeah they go back into that, but that's—I mean—that's old law yeah. of lizard men as well. So it's yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they have. What else would the skink do? The skink, because the, the thing is, the skinks—the skinks are duality where they're sort of they're smart, but also they are weedy and they will throw themselves. They will quite happily sacrifice themselves for, for certain things. And they, that... no, I mean, sacrificing of prisoners and stuff—that sort of style thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they yeah. still? Yeah, yeah that's Are they still doing the? Aztec, Aztec style ritual on a big pyramid. No, so it's it's yeah. literally it's literally a couple of lines that are like you know they do some sacrificial ceremonies. It's mm. not much more. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't go that, into the whole. That's the sort of stuff I think is quite. I'd far rather they didn't bit, have that aspect because that's yeah. So they, they, they yes. so that's I say it's not like a main theme, but it's mentioned in the book. So yeah. it's not as if it's gone away. I think it's to be fair, it's it's probably best described as a nod back to the old stuff and they haven't re- they haven't written it out they've acknowledged it exists and they go yeah i think it's probably gw saying you know what if you want to have like your like crazy sacrificial old skinks that you know praise sotek and cut hearts out of skaven then go this, for it go ahead mm. yeah so it, uh, that's probably what i read that as is you know for better or worse yeah but skinks that you know but the skinks uh, everything gets developed more the soros are more developed the skinks are more developed the crocs are more developed so they can they can be much more as well so it's really interesting i i'm I basically i really enjoyed reading the lore in this more than i have in the last two battle turns with this. Mm. so i'm super up on it and the models are incredible <laughs> they're so good um I, it, it's a shame to lose the priests but i mean so they're, they're, they've done some uh consolidation of things they've got rid of skink priests don't exist anymore Ooh. um yeah, kind of boo because I have to all the really nice skink priests. I mean, the, great models, those are but... some of the some of the best models from the older yeah. older range. It's a sh- yeah, real, real sure. shame. 
but they're gone. It's all star priests and star seers now. But all the models are absolutely fantastic. So I, what are you gonna do? The the, so the slant model that I, I built is so complicated. It's so complicated. It's a very it's a properly like advanced model. It's a bit of a pain to build, but it's it's really nice. And the new the new Saurus fantastic. Well, the one the one notable thing about the models is Saurus Guard have not been updated, and that's mad. Mm. Um, I do like how they're on the same page of the battle scrolls yes. of the battle time, so you can look from shiny new Saurus down yeah. to their dorky, um, yeah. rickety older brothers. Yeah, they they don't look great. I mean, I I won't convert any because I can't be asked. Uh, but w w you could. I think actually, you know, I I, I don't I think like a... uh, I think GW should lean in, lean into that thing they've been doing recently of doing like an upgrade upgrade sprue, because all you'd need because yeah. re because the new Soros models are quite armored, all you would need is new shields, new heads, and new weapons, what? and that would be fine. So I've I've still got my ten new Soros to do. Mm -hmm. What if I gave the new Soros the old shields? And then later on can pick up some more new Saurus and give them the new shields. And because I've got ten Saurus guard waiting to go, um, and give them the the new shields and the Saurus guard weapons. I wonder if that would work. So so give give the old shield who give who the old. So give... so I've got I've got ten ten warriors that I want to yeah. make into warriors. If I give them the old shields, the like um, uh, the, the lizard skin shields, right? That the old models have. Yeah. Then would that be enough of a distinction that the next box I get, I give them the shiny new metal shields? Oh uh, no, the shiny the shiny metal shields they're quite bland. I think you could you could convert the shiny metal shields by gluing some bones and gluing some skulls to them including some of the old so one of the things you don't get as many like uh, ribbony streamery bits as you used to with oh, the old god. well you say thank god but i think they're really nice little decorations you just I don't get them anymore them. well that's true them. that's true but you but the you know the old yeah. uh Soros guard shields were very extra and these ones are not so if you extra them up yeah. the other thing is that the pole arms will be a pain because all these spears are like pointing forward like bloody lumineth um uh, warden yeah, things so they're like, ugh. Well, they're gonna be a, they're gonna be a bit of a uh, sort of spaghetti mess in your however you store them. I or try using them. A, so, uh, I don't know. Can't just do a uh, hand swap. The arms are outstretched. I think it'd be quite difficult. Sure. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like to. I like that we've ended up on the classic Warhammer suggestion of just glue more skulls on it. Yeah, just some more skulls. Because to be fair, the old Soros Guard literally just have like lo lots of skulls on there. But in the, but one of the things they one of the defining things was having a massive skull on their head, uh, like wearing an animal skull uh, over their crest. And I think that like come on, it would be insanely good. That could look so awesome. Mm. Uh, so I just think they need an upgrade spree. It's my throwdown challenge. GW that or just get rid of Soros Guard. Like uh, just people would be sad, but just use them as Soros Warriors, Soros, uh, Soros Warriors, and be done with it. People will moan, but I don't care. That's my take. I'm very excited for the new lizards. Oh, and the new uh, Velociraptors. Very good. I hope the new Carnosaurs are good. I haven't tried them yet. I have to paint all this stuff before I give it a, give it a go. Croak is still busted. Fully uh, busted. I, 
I played a game with the new Carnosaur. Yeah. Yeah. Tom. Yeah. I nice. Think he nice. Does does very good work. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, even into Nighthaunt, who ignore his his lovely rend. Mm -hmm. Are they? Yeah. Well, they they so they they can't take inspired leadership or whatever. Right? Inspired presence. Yes. Inspiring presence. When yeah. He's around. Yeah. So that's they have fun. the. Yeah, that's um, that's useful, particularly for the uh, the uh, fighty so fighty carnosaur rather than the mm. leady carnosaur. Yeah, and gets bonus mortal wounds on uh, partially wounded but alive enemies, yeah. so you can uh, charge in and try and finish off any models that you have not quite got, mm. Mm. and and encourage them to run away. Yeah. Although that's a bit weird though, because if it's a big unit of small wound models that you want to run away, you probably aren't gonna have many wounds left over to to um to roll I guess I'm, on. I guess I'm thinking of it bit as being quite useful for uh pushing over into one more model into a unit like uh something something fairly big like dragons or blight mm, lords or something yeah, like true. that, right? Yeah, Where for sure. You, you only force them to take fail that battle shock by one for it to be yeah. a big deal, yeah. and your yeah. opponent would be sitting on a sitting mm -hmm. on a command point to keep them around. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or if you can, yeah, yeah, that's true. Interesting. Or if you can hit them with another. Um, I don't. I'm not sure the mortals necessarily combos with the inspiring presence block, but certainly if you can, uh, you know, yeah. get get the console to tag a unit which has been bopped by something else is gonna to have to take yes. that big old test then or you're off to the races i've got to check i've got to check the rules as to whether you because i assume you don't necessarily need to do it against the people you fought it doesn't need to be your wounds no i think it's just your... units within three or whatever yeah. can't take yeah. uh, inspiring presence yeah it's very no, tasty no, i mean in terms of the, the additional the oh additional the additional damage. thing yeah who knows yeah what are you two talking oh. about <laughs> <laughs> This is lizard tactics. <laughs> just gone to him like a, a look yeah. at Ariel's hole. Oh, yeah. No, we're here. We're here. This is we're, it. You, we've got to find ways to make Seraphon bust. Yeah, we're, we're renaming the podcast yes. Tying Plastic Seraphon. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's do that. I'm down for that. <laughs> you know that's really made that <laughs> Rachel, uh, I'll, do you find war games relaxing? Uh, I, just on the topic of lizards, I really like Seraphon. I think they're great. Um... Oh, that's got, a very I've, good opinion. I've got some, but not any of the new ones or whatever. And I don't expect I'll be doing an army of them anytime soon. But that's a really good opinion. I'm very happy for you all. Thank you. Um, yeah, you have to get the the skink um, starseer, who looks like mm. he is on the toilet. Increases <laughs> to really looking forward to getting that model. <laughs> the old one was pretty good as well. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Yeah, so my topic was about uh, basically like play war games to relax. Does does the concept of relaxation even like remotely overlap with playing miniature war games for you? Because this is something I've been thinking about recently, and uh, like playing Kings of War last weekend really solidified it for me um where i think it's a combination of things where like uh recently i've been playing age of sigmar and because that's been through the league um and it's been in a 
venue I'm not hugely fond of because of like it's quite noisy and difficult to hear <clears throat> and it takes a little bit for me to get to and then get back from um it's just like this there's a bit of stress there and then I'm playing like a stranger and they're you know they're I'm worried about if they're like forgetting the rules or kind of messing up or whatever or like I'm worried about how I'm playing and like I'm trying to win but I just don't feel like I can or whatever and stuff like that um mm. and I'm like tr trying to keep on top of all of these rules and like there's just so many things I need to remember to do in my turn and in the opponent's turn and stuff like that <clears throat> and finding that all just a bit quite stressful mm -hmm. um or not even like stressful maybe just kind of overwhelming Getting or intense. not relaxing in other words i i think it's not relaxing um yeah. and then playing of war is like super streamlined and i would get to the end of my turn in like three minutes if that and just be like and, and granted this is quite this is a very small scale small points level game but still um and just being like wow is that it <laughs> and also um the person i was playing against turns out she's really nice um we just like really quickly developed a rapport and we obviously both have similar priorities in what we're looking for in gaming um so yeah and i think i think that really solidifies something for me where it's like this is something this should be something that i do to relax maybe but i'd never up until that point i never like consciously thought in the middle of playing a game oh i'm relaxing while i do this mm. yeah <laughs> yeah i've no i think i've ever been relaxed yeah. while playing a war game frankly and yeah. I know that's a bad thing for me. I, I enjoy it, but you enjoy the stress of pushing myself and thinking. Well, not pushing myself, but like thinking about it and being involved in it and being, in uh, you know, invested in all the stuff. And I think that is for me necessarily detached from relaxing. But I'm okay with that. that yeah, because uh... there's because when you brought it up when earlier when you, when I first saw that you put this subject in the Discord, my instinctive reaction was, well, of course I do. Of course I do. I like I like doing it. It I you know I get a bit stressed out if I go without playing for that for too long. Of course it's fine. Hang on a second, is it? And like I think maybe it's not actually. I think you're right in that there are there are plenty of good ways to spend your time that you enjoy that will that do relax you, but also that's not the only route to enjoyment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can be enjoying you can be enjoying something without being relaxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like obviously if you're playing football or whatever, like yeah. that's, that's yeah, yeah, not yeah. Very relaxing. But you enjoy doing it. Yeah. So I'm I think Sorry, do you want to finish that for uh sure. I think it's I think it is the kind of thing that um a, it's relaxing to get to do it even if it's not in the moment right yes yeah i think i yeah i think that's actually pretty much what i was going to say i think that well, no, no, that's, that's good, good leading because what i was going to um so, so it's challenge philosophically is what do we mean by relaxing 
And I think that the measure of relaxation is not necessarily how you feel in the moment, which as people have been saying, quite rightly saying, there'll be times where you're stressed and times you think, oh, I'm having to think a lot of thinking and um, I've spent a lot of mental energy on this. Um, it's how you feel afterwards. It's Do you mm. feel it has mm-hmm. had a um, an overall net positive on your mental state, on your um, your state of relaxation? Think, yes, I've had a good time. <clears throat> I'm somewhat, you know, I might be tired, but I'm tired in a nice way. I'm not... I'm not stressed out over the result of it. I don't because I, th- I think you know it can. It, there's it's quite possible for a game not to be relaxing, and you come out of being oh I've made so many mistakes. I've had a t- terrible time. I yeah. I don't feel I fully understood. And and that's actually where I feel that Ninth Edition Forty K is, is for me. Me for example, that there's so much stuff going on. I don't feel. I feel that when I get to the end of a game, I am tired, and. I think I've had fun, but mm-hmm. I'm not yes. necessarily feeling relaxed. Where, well, there's yeah, well, there's a, yeah. a difference in be, having been relaxed and having enjoyed yourself, yeah. and they're separate, sometimes related, but not necessarily yeah. two two things. Where, whereas after a game of Warcry, I might have had quite a lot of thinking about it. I might have had quite a lot of um, you know, tactics, but I've had a fun time. And at the end, I think yeah, that was a good way to spend my evening. Um, yeah, and I I would count that as relaxation, um, and. Mm. I, and taking it off to a different, completely different hobby, I I, I do live action role play, and there's some games I've been to where I think I've got into the weekend. I think I'm really stressed out by this, by everything that's happening in the game, everything that's happening in the world, and I'm not relaxed. And actually, I need a, I need a few days to recover from that, um, not just from physical exhaustion, but from emotional exhaustion. And is is that relaxing? Not really. Um, so, yeah, I think it's. I mean, in the answer of are war games relaxing? It's they can be, and a lot of the time they probably should be, um, but don't necessarily because if because if you're going to a tournament and you're, you're actually trying to get the, you know, you're getting satisfaction from victory and from you know, crushing your opponents yes. beyond mm. you. That's a different, that's an entirely yeah. different goal. It's yes. it's making sure you know when your goal is to be re- relaxed and when your goal is to. Um, you stretch yourself competitively when you when you're mm. and all sorts of other goals that you can have in yes. war games and it's a tool to to achieve that so so the answer is yes and also no yes <laughs> and also yes yeah and also no. and maybe and yeah, also maybe they... yeah yeah it's an open box anyway, make your choice <clears throat> yeah i think i think i think my choice is that i want to try it's and... up to you I, w- I will try and pursue that like we're gaming zen where it's just gonna, yes. I just chilled out. You can enjoy anything you want. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> the wise war gamer understands that it's not. <laughs> war games day is treat yes. day. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, on that little bit of philosophy that we've inter- yeah, on that little bit of philosophy. <laughs> introduced. I have to go fulfill my fulfill my civic duty. Oh, you- in fact. Put, uh, do we put an exact date on where we're recording this? How could you? <laughs> do we quickly want to hit the oven thing before we go? Oh, the oven thing. Yeah, go. All right. Someone else explain. Someone else explain the <laughs> oven thing. Yeah. No, no. You take responsibility for action. All right. I did it. I once thought I've got some PVA on my bases to dry. Right. You, you know, you got some. You, you're getting the PVA out. You're making some bases. Uh, it's it's winter. Gonna take a while to dry. PVA, very watery glue. 
Dane's oh, cooked his models. No. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not, <laughs> we can't listen to the crew. Gen- gently, <laughs> he gently fucking cooked sauteed. his models. <laughs> what temperature? <laughs> hey, well, well, apparently too much. <laughs> too, too much temperature. I will say, I did it once, and it worked. And the second time, uh, well, if you've ever seen a Stormcast bend at the shins. <laughs> that photo exists, I'll say that. They yeah, were... I, they were the converted Seraphon Stormcast, weren't they? Oh, a couple of them, yeah. Oh. It's absolute tragedy. And the uh, the bases turned into Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, try anything once. <laughs> or twice, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway, uh, on that fantastic note. Um... So that, that is when war games are not relaxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Okay. Well, let's uh, bring this this hot flaming ship to harbor. Um, so you can you can find tiny plastic people at tinyplasticpeople.com. Uh, Tom F. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, Le Swordfish on Twitter. So that's L E Swordfish, all one word. I'm also on co-host under that same name, or uh, Instagram at L E underscore Swordfish. Nice. Uh, Rachel, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nershly, N-E-R-S-H-L-Y, or on Twitter at Rachel Nersha, uh, which is just Rachel, N-E-R-T-I-A. Nice. Uh, Tom, Tom G, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram as RespectableGeek. Nice. And I'm uh, on all good social medias. Uh, that's not true at all. There are none. Um, Tumblr! T-N- it's Tumblr! <laughs> T... <laughs> I stand by what I said. They're uh, at TN Dines. Uh, oh, you can email us any questions, any hot, hot questions at uh, thetinyplasticpeople at gmail.com. Uh, that's all from me. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.